reading to you from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 5. Every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. And this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. Um, whenever I see any kind of video or movie or anything that has this old stuff with horses and shields and swords and all the screams, I always look at it. I always think of David and I think of his mighty men and I think of these clashes that are very common in the Old Testament. There's a lot of battles in the Old Testament. And I just always look at it through a Bible lens. I Just weird, you know. This, this verse, just confused noise. Just blood that you can literally roll up garments in. <clears throat> Perfect description of, of the, the, just the confusion of battle. But look at the next verse. In the, in the middle of this horrible confusion, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Government shall be upon his shoulder. His name, the son's name, will be called Wonderful, Counselor. For years I, I, I misinterpreted that. I thought when it talked about Counselor, it was talking about that, you know, he would give us good life direction. He'd be a, you know, guidance counselor. It's not what it's talking about. It's defense attorney. You know, counselor, approach the bench. That's what we're dealing with here. When the Bible talks about he is our advocate, the, the original language is he's our defense attorney. The mighty God, the everlasting father. That's interesting. How in the world are you going to call the son the father if they're separate persons? You can't. But if you understand <clears throat> father was in the son, father, spirit, son is flesh. And the saving name of our God is not father or son. But that name, that name, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, the government of Jesus Christ, of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. No end. I want to combine that with this verse in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. That's my subject, world without end. If you have a good attitude, you can sit down. <clears throat> and since I feel a long, dry sermon coming on, Amen. I never knew it until this week. I found a new name. Hans Lippershey. I had no idea who Hans Lippershey was. He is a Dutchman who is credited with the invention of the telescope in 1608. Hans made eyeglasses. And he said he got the idea from a young boy that was in his shop and took two different lenses from eyeglasses and put them in front of one another. And he said, look what happens. And when he went over, a weather vane, which was on a house far away, looked closer. 
he tried to patent his invention. There were several other people that tried to steal it. He eventually was given the patent. But one year later, the guy who gets a lot of the credit, he didn't invent it, but he gets a lot of the credit, was an Italian guy by the name of Galileo. Galileo heard about something known as the Dutch perspective lenses. And though he had never seen one, he, he understood the concept and Galileo designed a telescope of his own. Lippershey's perspective lenses magnified things three times. Galileo's design man, magnified things 20 times. None of the others even thought about it apparently, but the Italian was the first one to point his telescope toward the heavens. The word is geocentric. For years, the Catholic Church taught that the earth was the center of the universe. Galileo, along with Copernicus and a couple others, um, began to understand that the sun was the center of our solar system. The Catholic Church didn't like that. They tried to kill him for years. But uh, they had bad junk science and... Galileo knew what he was talking about and time proved him right. Galileo is credited with being the first one to see craters that were on the moon. He wrote about mountain ranges that he saw on the lunar surface. He was the first one to talk about our Milky Way galaxy and he was the first one to see the rings that were around Saturn. Isaac Newton who uh, many people think was a mathematician, and he was, but he was, a, he was a Bible scholar, the guy that had the apple fall on his head. He's credited with the idea of making telescopes with mirrors, not just lenses. He improved on Galileo's design. And through the years, this has been the standard this is what all great telescopes have now, not just lenses, but mirrors. There have been a lot of famous telescopes through the years, but for the purpose of our lesson today, for many years, the most famous and the largest telescope in the world was in Pasadena, California. It's known as the Wilson Observatory. In 1905, a man got a job there by the name of Edward Hubble. Hubble is credited with being the first one to really see another galaxy outside of our own. We live in what is known as the Milky Way galaxy. Hubble saw another one and they called it the Andromeda. So in 1990, the Hubble Space Telescope was launched. It drastically changed our understanding of the universe. So there are three words that I want you to understand before I go further. The first is what is known as a solar system. We live in a solar system. Solar, of course, comes from sun. And a solar system is a group of planets that revolve around a flaming star called a sun. 
So there's a solar system. The next unit of measurement I want you to understand is something known as a galaxy. The center of a solar system is the sun, but the center of a galaxy is a black hole. This is a picture of the Milky Way galaxy. That big shining orb in the middle, that's our sun. There are eight other planets and those planets have moons and there are millions and millions of stars in the Milky Way galaxy. And then there is a word called the universe. Una is, of course, old Latin for one. Verse comes from song, so universe means one song. Our solar system is just one of millions of stars and planets in a collection called the Milky Way Galaxy. But a universe, wow, the universe is all of the galaxies. The latest estimate is that there are two trillion galaxies. Counting galaxies is, I guess, what I would call playing a cosmic game of where's Waldo. The truth is they don't know. It's just a guess. But the universe is described by scientists and astronomers as the entire collection of stars and planets and galaxies and matter and time. They say there's nothing more. This past week, a new telescope came online. It was launched months ago, but they just fired that dude up a couple of days ago. It's known as the James Webb Space Telescope. It is three times the size of the Hubble. And the Hubble could capture images in two ranges, visual light and ultraviolet. But the Hubble was limited. The web can capture not only invisible and ultraviolet, but infrared, making this telescope 100 times more powerful than the Hubble. 100 times more capable of capturing distant light. The excitement around the web is huge. They are convinced it will totally transform our universe. Here is the first image that came from the Webb telescope three days ago. You see that brilliant hexagon in the middle, that five-pointed flash Notice all these little platelets, these little fuzzy cotton balls. Those are galaxies. I showed you a picture of ours, the Milky Way galaxy. This is the first picture that came back from the web. There's just millions of them. For hundreds of years, Men have been looking up in the night sky with one question. I wonder what else is out there. There's the moon, of course, and the sun. And as our view and understanding of the night sky has come into sharper focus, we've discovered planets and comets and asteroids and black holes and galaxies packed with millions of stars. And 
on especially dark nights, you can even spot the edges of our own Milky Way galaxy. But time has proven whatever they invent, no matter how big the lens, no matter how powerful the mirror, it just keeps on going. It is a world without end. In Deuteronomy, there's a verse that said, the heaven of heavens is the Lord's. You and I live in a world that just loves to place limits on things. Speed limits, weight limits. The first word our children learn is unfortunately, no. I would like to meet the child whose first word was yes. Yes, daddy, I'll gladly do that. I heard it and you heard it, no. Again and again, we are reminded of things we can't do. You can't go in there. You can't afford that. You can't do that. We are reminded that we all have an expiration date and there's only so much time. <clears throat> Buy property because nobody's making any more of that. There's only so much land. There's only so much air. There's only so much water. On and on I can go. Limits, fences, boundaries, barriers, restrictions, confines, ceilings. Solomon understood something greater when he was building the temple. He said, who is able to build him a house? Seeing the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. This same wise man wrote, the horse leech has two daughters crying, give, give. Three things that are set aside, yea, four things that will never say it's enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that's filled with water and fire. In the message it says, the leech has two daughters called gimme and gimme more. You would think after all of the funerals and all of the casualties of wars and the millions of people who have died through time from plagues and disasters, you would think the ground would say, we got enough. We've had enough funerals. We've got enough graveyards. Our quotas have been met. We don't need any more bodies. Nope. Funeral business is going strong right now. You would think after all the floods and all of the efforts and attempts to water the grass and the garden that the earth would say, it's enough. You don't ever have to do it again. From this point on, your grass is always gonna be green. Your trees and your flowers are always going to bloom and your gardens are always gonna yield. Nope. That dirt's just as thirsty as it's ever been and still wants more water. How many millions of acres of trees have been consumed with wildfires? While I'm speaking to you, there are 8,700 jumpers that are trying to save the giant redwoods in California because of the fire that's going on there right now. How many bushels of coal 
had been burned to heat our homes and give us the steam to spin the turbines that keep our lights on. How many cords of firewood have been split and laid on hearths through the centuries to drive away the cold and the damp. You, you would think that by now the hearth and the furnace and the fireplace would say, it's enough. We've burned up enough. We don't need to burn anything else up. Solomon understood there are things that do not have limits. Because I promise you there's always going to be room for one more, one more casket. That thirsty ground is always going to be ready to suck up another gallon. And I don't care what you throw on a fire, it's going to burn it up. I am here to tell you that there are things that have no limits. There are things you will never exhaust. This is the last verse in the book of Romans. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Next book, last verse of Corinthians. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Next book, Galatians. Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Next book, Ephesians. Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Next book, Philippians, last verse, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. I can keep going. Next book, Colossians, grace be with you, amen. Thessalonians 5 and 28, amen. Thessalonians 3 and 18, amen. 1 Timothy 6 and 21, amen. The last verse of Hebrews, grace be with you all, amen. The last verse in the Bible, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. Paul did it, Peter did it, John did it. They signed off. They ended their letter with goodbye, amen. This is it, I'm done. But let me read to you how the book of Acts closes. In Acts 28, 30 and 31, and Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came into unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him, period. No amen, no salutation, no conclusion. It doesn't end. You know why? It can't. It's not our world. It's his church. It's his kingdom. It's his world. A world without end. And just as sure as the grave will take another body, the Bible teaches that baptism in his name is a watery grave. And I'm telling you, we'll bury another one here today if you want to. Been a lot of Holy Ghost fires, but we're always ready to have another one. Isaiah said it like this. Every battle, every battle is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood. But unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. Isaiah was describing his first years. 
He was describing his first coming. Wars, bloodshed, confusion. And yet in the middle, right in the middle of that mess, child is born. A son is given. I'm here to tell you that the same events that surrounded the first coming of Jesus Christ are in place now for his second coming. You want to know why Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem even though they lived in Nazareth? The IRS. True. Taxes. History says... Roman tax was somewhere between 50 and 58%. Sounds a lot like Canada, doesn't it, Brother Perry? The slaughter of the innocents when Jesus was born was nothing more than a predecessor of the slaughter of the innocents. That it, this has just started, ladies and gentlemen. You, you are fixing to see a war over this abortion thing like we've never seen. Because the enemy has gained some ground here and he doesn't want to let it go. Civilized world back then was held in the grips of a one world government called Rome. And we like them are being forced to swallow and tolerate the rantings of political lunatics who are bent on a one world system. Ladies and gentlemen, we are living in a world of smoke and fog and mirrors. It's confusion. If a man wants to pretend to be a woman, I am expected to pretend along with him. This is an apostolic church. I make no apologies for what I'm about to say. I've taught you for years that everybody has elbows and knees. As a pastor, I've used that as a limit. Keep your sleeves by your elbows and keep your dresses and skirts down by your knees. Now, it'll never be strong enough for some and it'll be too weak for others. But as a pastor, that's what I've taught you. See, years ago, our elders preached against cigarettes. Jack Nicholas smoked. Arnold Palmer smoked. They all talked about the virtues of lucky strikes, unfiltered cigarettes. Baseball players smoked. No one saw the damage that that would do. But today the Surgeon General is on our side, validating what those elders preached years ago. Stay away from that. Have no medical proof to back them up. Just something in the spirit says, we need to stay away from that. And so for years as a pastor, I've tried to deal with this something now which is known as gender distinction. <laughs> i tell you what amazes me. When I see these men that want to be a woman, the first thing they do is get a wig and a dress. And when a woman becomes a man, she cuts her hair off and puts on a pair of pants. They're preaching our message for us. Because even they understand what a woman's supposed to wear and what a man's supposed to wear. We have a little boy that goes to this church, a brilliant young boy. 
who had a friend that was a boy, but the boy said, I want to be a girl. And his foolish parents went and literally legally changed his name to a girl. And our boy was got in trouble by the principal. You will refer to him as his girl. And he said, nope, not going to do it. Being forced and pressed and squeezed with all this woke stuff. It's nuts. It's lunacy. Illegal immigrants with God knows what kind of illnesses flooding across our borders. But you better make sure your dog's vaccinated. (laughs) Criminals caught breaking the law but are released to hurt more people. But stopping them is infringing on their human rights. Pursuing murderers is wrong, but killing unborn babies, that's okay. If you touch, if you touch an eagle's egg, you are liable for a $10,000 fine because it is a federally protected game bird. Do you understand what I'm talking about? What is it federally protecting? It's not protecting the mom. It's protecting the bird that's in the egg that isn't even hatched yet. But you touch an eagle's egg and it's going to cost you 10 large. But you can get an abortion for free in the third trimester. I'm confused. I'm confused. And I think a lot of other people are as well. But I wish I had time to teach you this concept that births are always blessed with gifts. John said it best when he said, for God so loved that he gave. There is more to this than the birth of Jesus Christ. It's more than just a child being born. It's something else is going to be given. (laughs) At birth, brought us the gift. Some people call it being born again, but Peter said it's the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's why it says, do not despise the day of beginnings. Why? Because the Lord that we serve is not just beginning, but he's end. He's alpha, omega, first, last, the God that was, the God that is, the God that is to come. His, his, his binary phrase of choice is I am. He just am. Do you get what I'm saying? You say it's the end. No, no, I don't just serve the end. He's the beginning. It was the end of the Old Testament. It was the beginning of the new. It was the end of the Old Covenant, the beginning of the new. Just about the time you think it's over, it's starting all over. We are dealing with something here that's huge, something that's massive. Because in Luke 21, it describes all of the things that are going on in our world right now. And it says, when these things begin to come to pass, look up, lift up your heads. Your redemption is really close. You see, Job made the mistake we are all so prone to make. I go forward, he's not there. Backward, I can't perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, I can't, I can't behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand. I can't see him. 
But Job left one stone unturned. He looked here, there, there, and there, but he didn't look up. It is in Luke, but it's written in red. Luke wrote it down, but Jesus was one that said it. He didn't say, when you see all of this confusion and calamity, look around and get depressed. He said, look up. Lift up your heads. Because Isaiah teaches that if you want the glory of the Lord to fill the house, it says that it stopped them in their tracks. He has to be more than high. He said, I saw the Lord high and lift it. Lift up your head. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voice. Because in doing so, you lift him up. Philippians 2 and 9 says his name is above every name. But Ephesians 1 and 21 said there is a place where he's far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that's named. Psalms talks about symbols and it talks about then there's high symbols. It talks about praises and then it talks about high praises. And it says in Psalms 149 that when these high praises, this, this privilege has all of the saints to offer high praises, they're kings. This is what it says in the message. Their kings will be chained and hauled off to jail and their leaders behind bars for good. Why? Not because of praise, high praise. Not just above. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about far above. Listen to what Jesus said. And if I, I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Jesus is high all by himself. Do you get it? He has to be lifted. Jesus didn't say, if I'm above or if I'm high. He said, I have to be lifted in order for the gravitational effect, the drawing power of the gospel to work. Did you get the revelation? He is saying, I can't do this by myself. He is inviting us to participate in the elevation. Lift me, lift me, lift me. And only when we get involved in the elevation of Jesus to where he's far above, that's when people will be drawn. That is why Isaiah, what he said next is so fitting of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. No fence, no boundary, no barrier. I've studied for years the tabernacle of Moses. I have read the exactness and the minutia and the details of the dimensions. I know the dimensions of the altar that when you went into the outer court, there was this big cube, this big brass cube, five cubits long, five cubits wide, three cubits high. The next thing beyond the altar was the laver. It looked like a giant bird bath. It was five cubits long, five cubits wide, six cubits high. The tabernacle, the tent that was in the middle of that piece of real estate, I know by scripture 
was 30 cubits long, 10 cubits wide, 10 cubits high. When you went beyond that first door, there was a table to your right, had things on it that probably looked like pancakes, table of showbread. I know that it was two cubits long, one cubit wide, a cubit and a half high. The most famous piece of furniture the world has ever known, the Ark of the Covenant, two and a half cubits long, one and a half cubits wide, one and a half cubits high. I can go on and on and on, but there is one thing in the tabernacle of Moses, known as the mercy seat. Study it all you want, and this is all you're gonna find out. It was two and a half cubits long, and it was a cubit and a half wide. Every other thing in that tabernacle had three dimensions. How long it was, how wide it was, how deep it was. But when you deal with the mercy seat, I know how long it was, I know how wide it was. There are no dimensions for how thick it was, how deep it was. I studied Exodus 25 and 10 and I went through 38 and 18. I found 58 times exact lengths, widths, and depths are given, all except for one thing, the mercy seat. Whoever wrote the book of Hebrews understood that because he said in 99 and 5, even though if you read chapter 9, he goes into great detail and dimension about everything else. But in nine and five, and over it, the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly. The Amplified says, we can't talk about that. He is simply saying, I'm not even gonna dare to try and place a limit on how far the mercy of Jesus Christ will go. Why did Methuselah live so long? Mathshalak. Methuselah means when I die, it's going to come. So 5 and 25 of Genesis says, Methuselah was 187 years old when his first boy Lamech was born. 5 and 28 says, Lamech was 182 years old when his boy Noah was born. Genesis 7 and 6 says Noah was 600 years old when the flood came. So if you add up 600 plus 182 plus 187, you get 969. When he died, it came. You want to know why Methuselah lived longer than anybody else ever has or ever will? Because it is a picture of the mercy of God. I don't care how long you live, you're never gonna outlive his mercy. I don't care how far you stray, you're never gonna fall too far away. He that hath made the eye, can he not see? He that hath made the ear, can he not hear? His arm is never short. I saw Mike Tyson fighting a giant a couple weeks ago. He talked about the reach of Mike Tyson and the reach of this giant that he was dealing with. And they were convinced Tyson would lose, but he took the guy out in the first round. Don't you ever think that Jesus and his reach is not capable of getting to where you are? When he died, it came.
Ladies and gentlemen, no wonder David said, his mercy is everlasting. It's a world without end. The Bible does not say that he will remove your transgressions as far as the north is from the south. It says that he will remove your transgressions as far as the east is from the west. Because if you leave Michigan and go north, you're you're going into Ontario and you keep going into Canada and sooner or later you're going to come to the top of this thing and even though you're still going the same direction, you're not going north anymore. You're going south. And you're going to come down on the backside of this thing and go through China and go through the backside of this planet. But if you leave Michigan right now and start heading west, And all of a sudden you're in Wisconsin and then you're in North Dakota and then you're in Oregon and then all of a sudden you're in the Pacific. All of a sudden you're passing Hawaii. You're over there, amen, in China. Just keep on going west. All of a sudden you just keep going through Africa, come across the Atlantic, hit the eastern seaboard on the North Carolina and keep going west. You're not going to run out of west. See, you, there's a limit to how far north you can go and how far south you can go. But there is no limit to how far west you can go and how far east and as far as the east is from the west. There's no end to that. Oh, Jesus. The Bible said in the Old Testament, when they were dealing with that sin offering, they had two goats and they took one and killed it and they took the blood of that goat and put it on a thumb and that priest pushed that, that bloody thumbprint in the forehead of that goat and then it's very, very, very carefully it says this and you're gonna need a fit man. You're gonna need a fit man. I had a dog when I was a kid, a beagle dog named Prince and a couple times a year he'd leave, he'd leave. We found him one time six miles away from our house running with a pack of dogs. But invariably, invariably, that dog would come back to our house. Skinny, all kinds of cockleburrs, muddy, mess. But he knew there was always gonna be a plate of food out there. And he knew he could always plan on something good. He always found his way back. That's why the Bible said, you need a fit man. You don't need some chubby guy that's gonna run out of gas after 500 yards. You need somebody that can get that goat with the sin of the nation and he just keeps walking and walking and it gets to the point where he confuses that goat so that that goat can never find his way back home. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is a fit man and he took my sin and he took your sin and he just kept on going and going and going and it's never came back. There was no end to how far away he could get these things from me. Oh, Jesus. That's why the word talks about an everlasting covenant. John talked about an angel with an everlasting gospel. The word teaches about an everlasting salvation. Isaiah said, therefore the redeemed of the Lord shall return into Zion with singing and everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. And Isaiah said, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Everlasting Father. And if I will enter and you and I will enter into that everlasting covenant by obeying the everlasting gospel and take the name of that everlasting Father on our soul in baptism, you have access to an everlasting salvation that will supply everlasting joy 
And if by chance you fall, and that's not a big chance, you're going to fall. Listen to Deuteronomy 33. It said, and underneath are the everlasting arms. I don't care how far you fall, he's going to catch you. Because there's never going to be a day when his arms aren't there. I'm talking about a world without him. I'm talking about as long as you are breathing, you have access to the mercy, amen, of Jesus Christ. You can't put a limit on that. They sinned too much. They've done too much bad. You don't understand, Brother Hoffman. If there's one sin the, the blood can't cover, it can't cover any of them. Did you hear Jackson Foot got the Holy Ghost this week? You know why? Because the kingdom's going on. It's going on and it's going on. And I don't care who you are here today or if you're listening from God knows where. Oh, Jesus. Would you do more than just hear me? Would you feel me right now? Ah, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jackson Foote's got a daddy that lives in more pain than you and I could ever process. But I say to Jim Foote right now, I believe the Lord's a healer. But I also know there's coming a day in the twinkling of an eye because Jim Foote, this is not the last body you're ever gonna have. When we see him, we shall be like him. We shall have a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. The Lord himself is gonna wipe away every tear and say, you don't need those here. Mindy Adams is watching me right now. Just got out of the hospital again yesterday from a prolonged surgery. Had a terrible accident months ago. Should have been just depressing, just ready to commit suicide. But in the midst of all that, she told me, Brother Hoffman, I would have rather not had the accident, but now that I have, I am in line for a massive settlement. And she said, I will tithe and I will make a dent in our imagined campaign because I'm not gonna let the enemy get the glory over this. I'm gonna use this thing to elevate and promote the church. How do you stop people like that? You can't. You can't. Stand with me. Stand with me. I won't embarrass you, not intentionally anyway. I'm sure I've done it ignorantly, but I wouldn't do it. I, I want you to come if you can around this altar. I just think there's, I, I just, I, I know it, there's more to this than geography. I, I just want you to, to just pry your, your talons off of that bench in front of you and just make a move going forward, going forward. Jeff Woodward sent me a text so appropriate several months ago. He said, the enemy tried to bring up my past not long ago and I told him, you're talking about a house I lived in two houses ago. I don't live in that house anymore. <laughs> Lift up your heads with me. Lift up your hands with me. Lift up your voice with me. We're going to sing right now. Everybody's going to be in the praise team right now. The Bible said they sung a new song. It wasn't. It doesn't just say Draylen and the praise team's going to be in the new Jerusalem. It says everybody, all the redeemed are going to sing. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so right now. And not just say so, I want you to sing so. All right? Sing right now unto your Lord.
I know it's confused noise. I know it's a lot of nasty craziness going on right now. But there's a birth. It's got a gift attached to it. Amen. There's an everlasting Father that can give you some everlasting peace. Some everlasting joy. It's a good deal. Take advantage of it right now. All things new and I will follow Come on, we're moving forward, everybody say, make all things new. Everything new, Lord. Hey!